Nathan the prophet came to King David and told him that famous story and said, you are the man, David now had a choice. Being confronted with his sin through a parable, he now had a choice to make. What would he do with the discipline of God? And David did what we all need to do. He humbled himself and asked for forgiveness. That's the key at this point in the confrontation. Once confronted, we need to take ownership, confess our sin, and ask God for forgiveness. We're going to learn more about what that looks like today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. As we started this teaching in 2 Samuel 11 and moving into chapter 12, we said that 1 Corinthians 10, 6, and 11 warns us that we take heed when we read stories like this because we love to be bystanders. In fact, a famous American pastime is to play Monday morning quarterback, whether it's our football teams, and I notice that we do have some jerseys in here this morning. Hopefully this won't cause a church split because the Steelers and the Packers are playing tonight. And uh, I will still love you either way uh, the game goes. But anyway, that's for another time. But David has passed judgment on himself. And he also says, verse 6, And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and what? He had no compassion. The word compassion in Hebrew is kamal. It means he had no pity. He did not spare. He was not compassionate. Do you remember when Jesus went to the house of the wee little man named Zacchaeus? And Zacchaeus, you know, everybody was upset that Jesus went into the house of a sinner. And Zacchaeus said, I will pay back fourfold what I've taken. I will give half of my goods to the poor. And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a child of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was what? Lost. Zacchaeus was a son of Abraham, but he was lost. We have a lot of lost people in our world. And as David was angry, and he's talking of fourfold restitution, and he's, he's spoken a punishment that does not fit the crime, the law did not say if you, if you took a domesticated animal, you should die. That was not the law of Moses. You did need to make restitution, but there was no death involved in a crime like this. What's David thinking? I don't want to psychoanalyze David, but can you, can you think that maybe David is such a troubled man that he, doesn't, he can't even make a sound judgment right now? You know, when we're caught up in sin and we've buried our sin, we don't make sound judgments. We don't know how to think about things because we're dealing with our own stuff. And Nathan said to David famously, you are the man. You're so angry. You, you were brought into this story. You don't like what you heard. Take a look at the mirror. Take a good look. Look a little longer, David. You are that man. You gotta love Nathan the prophet because to be a prophet in this kind of setting, the king could just say, kill him. 
I don't like what he's sharing with me right now. I don't like this bad news. Get rid of him and everything that belongs to him. Nathan took a risk and he spoke to David very unvarnished with great force and shattering words. You are that man. David had to be devastated. You ever been shattered by the word of God? You ever maybe gotten in your car or walked into church and thought, I'm cool with God. And then one of those sword swipes, because the word of God is the sword of the spirit, hits you. And all of a sudden you got to take a look within. You got to look in that mirror that isn't your favorite mirror. And you go, ow. Ooh. I am that man. Oh, that changes everything because to be in a position of judgment is much more comfortable than to receive a rebuke. Now, David's greatness will be shown here because David is going to take it like a man. You know, the Bible throughout the book of Proverbs says that there's such a thing as a life-giving rebuke. If you have a friend that tells you the truth when you're in trouble, thank God for that friend. Don't seek out just people who tell you what you want to hear because you won't be healthy. You should seek out people who will speak the truth to you and speak it to you in love. And by the way, if you're on the side of giving a rebuke, we always give a rebuke in gentleness and looking to yourselves lest you also fall. We could all fall in a microsecond. So even if we're following Matthew 18 and we have to go to someone and share the truth, we still have to share it with the honesty of knowing how we have feet of clay as well. And so Nathan has spoken those devastating words. You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel. It is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. Maybe David had gotten a little too big for his bridges. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we get in a spot, we think, you know what? I am pretty good. Look what I've done. This is what happened to King Nebi, K. Netzer, for you VeggieTale fans. <laughs> He's walking on his patio. Look at this great Babylon that I have built. Man, I'm good. Real good. And as the words were departing from his mouth, the God made his nails grow long. He's the first... Uh, rock and roll star of all history. Long hair, just kidding. <laughs> and he apparently ate grass for seven years. <laughs> Would it take seven years of eating grass for you to figure it out? Apparently it did for Nebuchadnezzar. And then he made that great confession. Oh, there's no one like the God of the Hebrews. Yeah, that's right. Your very life breath is in his hand. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. I gave you the house of Israel, verse 8, and Judah. 
And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. I would have opened the floodgates of heaven to bless you. But what did you do? You stole the poor man's ewe lamb. Instead of being the shepherd of Israel, caring for the flock, you became the wolf. You did not represent me. You were supposed to be the man after God's own heart, but you failed. I gave you a nation that was divided and that nation became united. I gave you the ark, the palace, the capital in Jerusalem, powerful and successful kingdom. You won battle after battle, yet you looked past all these blessings for 15 minutes of pleasure. How many people do you think in our world who have fallen and looked back on the steps, the anatomy of that fall would say, oh my goodness, I had blinders on. I looked past everything that God had given me and focused on this one thing I didn't have and it became my downfall. It's human nature. And so David has been confronted that he lacks compassion, which I have many verses I could share to you, with you, but Compassion is really love and action. Colossians 3.12 says we are to put on a heart of compassion. James 5.11 says the Lord is full of compassion and merciful. When you lose compassion, you've lost just about everything. Would you agree? Sometimes we look at our world and we say, where's the compassion? And the one thing that David noted in the story is the rich man lacked compassion and that's what David lacked. Had he thought it through, he never would have done this. It's my understanding of one of the graces the church has taught over the years is that whenever you're tempted to sin, you should look down the road and see where that sin's going to lead you before you take any steps down that road. It's a means of grace. In other words, for many of us, We've probably walked down the same road multiple times and hit our head at the end of the road on the signpost. Do you need to walk down the same road again? Let's just try it one more time to see if anything's different. Okay, <laughs> I'm convinced. And so you look down the road in the, in the moment of temptation. This is hard to do. But in the moment of temptation, instead of looking past all your blessings, look at your blessings and look down the road and see, if I do this thing, where is it going to lead me? And I tell you what, if you think it through, you probably won't walk down that road. There's a story about a man. He's got a drinking problem and he goes and sees his counselor. And he says, yeah, I gave in two or three times this week. I keep falling, man, into drinking. So the counselor says, well, what do you do after you get off work? Well, I get off work and I walk home and I walk past this, this little bar, this little tavern and the doors open and my friends are in there drinking and they're knocking back some beers and I, I get a little tempted and I think to myself, you know what? I'll just have one. And I go in with my friends and I have one, two and three and four and five and six. I just can't help it. Let's get this straight, says the counselor. So you get off work and you walk down the street, walk down the tower. 
Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth. And one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. I'll just have one and I go in with my friends and I have one, two and three and four and five and six. I just can't help it. Let's get this straight, says the counselor. So you get off work and you walk down the street and you walk down this alley and you see the open door and you see your friends in there drinking and you're tempted and you drink too much. Right, right. Here's my counsel. I'm going to write it down on a prescription piece of paper for you. Walk down a different street. (laughs) Wow, what a revelation. (laughs) And God and My intention was to get through this whole chapter, but it's just not going to happen. So I know you guys are shocked, but look at verse 9. God says, why have you despised the word of the Lord? By doing evil in his sight. He's speaking through Nathan the prophet. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You've taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. David gets questioned by God, why? We are always wanting to ask God why. Do you know God asked why too? Why did you do that? Why did you despise, look at, that's a strong word, the word of the Lord. When we don't do what God says, God's word is a reflection of him. All scripture is what? Inspired by God. It's breathed out by God and it's profitable. So when you don't obey God's word, guess what? People like to put it this way. Well, I I just didn't do what the Bible says that time. (laughs) Actually, what you didn't do was what God says. I I hear stories all the time and look, I'm, I'm saying this as a human and with understanding who I am that I hear a lot of people talk about, well, you know what, I love the Lord and all, but I I just don't think I'm gonna do what he says in this area of my life. Really? So let's get this straight. You love the Lord, but you're not gonna do what he says. You you believe that his word is truth, but you're not gonna obey it. That's that's what you're telling me right now. Well, it sounds a little more harsh the way you put it. Oh, oh, I see. And now, the sword, therefore the sword, ten, shall never depart from your house. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, the sword, consequence number one, if you're taking notes, will never depart from your house. You say, oh my goodness. That, That's radical. What does that mean? God was going to repay David in kind. His house, which is part of the Davidic covenant, I will build a house for you, 
would be troubled by violence for the rest of David's life. But since house speaks of Israel, it's got wider implications than this, just David's house. It speaks of the nation itself. Do you know that all that Israel has suffered throughout the ages can in some sense be linked to David's fall with Bathsheba? Oh my goodness. A fourfold restitution indeed in David's house. The baby that came from this adulterous relationship died. Amnon died, premature death. Absalom died, a premature death. And Adonijah was slain. We're going to read about this in the future. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion. And he shall lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Consequence number two. What David did to others would be done to his own wives and family. David's beautiful daughter Tamar was raped by her half-brother in the next chapter. David's concubines were humiliated publicly by Absalom when he captured the kingdom in chapter 16. Serious consequences. Hard medicine. Can you picture David listening to it? You know, let me just say to you guys that the greatness of David is going to come out in a different way. And since none of us are ever going to live mistake-free lives, a lot of life comes down to how you respond after you've made a mistake. Would you agree? We're all going to make mistakes. I don't like making mistakes, but they happen. And when we make a mistake and we fall on our face and we've skinned our knee and we've blown it, maybe we've hurt other people, the question is now, what are you going to do? You can continue down the slippery slope of the disaster or you can say, you know what? Enough is enough. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has taken away your sin. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But I want you to see this. this is extremely important. David was forgiven. He deserved to die, but he would not die. The law, the Torah said, adulterers and murderers die. David wasn't going to die. But David was going to swim in consequences. The Davidic covenant to me is a sign. It's a picture of the new covenant. I said to you a few weeks ago, I believe if you're born again, you are secure and you're saved and you're going to be with the Lord one day. But that does not mean that if you decide to sin, you are not going to get consequences. Indeed, you can be a forgiven man or woman and still get consequences. Quick illustration, it's silly, but it'll make the point. Imagine you left here and you had nothing at home and you were desperate and you went into a local market and let's say that you shoplifted like the UCLA Bruins uh, players in China, but we won't go there, but we just did. Anyway, so you get caught. You, you had a moment of weakness and you get caught. 
And let's say that you, go, you get before the Lord, you eat some carpet, you confess your sin, and you say, I'm sorry, heaven forgives you. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. However, that does not mean that you still aren't going to go before the judge. The ultimate judge forgives you, but he doesn't, in most cases that I know of, lift consequences. Amen? They follow. God can say to us, you're forgiven of that, but you're still going to deal with the fallout. And David said, I've sinned against the Lord. His sin was first and foremost vertical. Now, we're going to have to park here, but I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 51 and ask the worship team to come on up. Psalm 51. So David wrote this psalm in the wake of his sin with Bathsheba and after Nathan the prophet had come to him and confronted him. And here's what David wrote. He said, 51.1 of Psalm 51.1, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, According to the greatness of your compassion, notice God has compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now this is in the wake of it. So David, I think, is dealing with the consequences of what he had done. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Each time something happened to David's family or house or nation, he would have to remember the reason. And he would say, you're faithful. One writer says, David had certainly also sinned against Uriah, Bathsheba, and unnamed soldiers, but those offenses were derivative and secondary in nature. Had David not rebelled against the Lord's word, these persons would not have been murdered or abused. It's important to understand that all sin is first and foremost vertical. When we sin, we sin against the Lord. And it's also horizontal. It also affects other people. So that's why David said, it's against you that I've sinned. And in Psalm 51, I would encourage you maybe to Make this your meditation this week. Maybe use it as some of your devotional reading this week. Take a look at what David says in that psalm. He rejoices about God's forgiveness, but he still has to deal with the fallout of his decisions. But remember, if the Lord kept a record of sin, who could stand? Certainly not I. But with the Lord, there's forgiveness and amazing grace. Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to thank you for your word. It's powerful. It's sometimes sobering. It's a mirror to the soul. But you said the truth would set us free. Sometimes we have to deal with a few moments of uncomfortableness to be free, to let the truth set us free. And I, I would imagine in a room like this that there's many people who are carrying burdens and 
Maybe things that they haven't even confessed to you. But you tell us if we confess our sin, you are faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us. We have a great advocate on high. A Messiah was going to come from David's loins, from his own family, that would be the solution to the messes that we create. The ultimate king would come. The greater David, the son of David, to clean up the messes, to, to take our punishment at the cross. And Lord, I know David had a notion of that because he would write about it in the Psalms. Messiah was going to come. Someone from his own body would be his salvation. And thank you that, Jesus, you are our salvation. Would you keep your head and heart bowed? If you've not met the Lord, or maybe you've been a prodigal, or maybe this has just hit really close to home, and you need to do some business with God. This is not, this morning was not about just checking in at a church. This morning was not about singing a few songs and going back to your quote-unquote normal life. This is about a God who cares about you and loves you and wants to give you a new start, a new beginning. And the second half of this chapter is going to be about a new beginning. It's going to be about hope where there seemed to be very little, if any. So hang on, saint, if you have fallen on your face or if you're an unbeliever here and you're not sure that God could ever forgive you. Would you just take some moments to seek the God who so loved you that he gave his son. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. He knew the mistakes that you made and would make and yet he loved you. Would you welcome his love? Would you say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Pray it if it's you. I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry. I've sinned against heaven, and I've hurt others. But right now, Lord, I confess my sin, and I ask that you would forgive me. I believe that you died on that cross to take my shame and punishment. I believe that you rose from the dead, just like you said. Would you be my Lord and be my Savior and Give me a new heart and a new start. Lord, I pray you'd be just doing some spiritual surgery in this room, touching and encouraging lives, giving new beginnings, fresh starts, and that you would be glorified in this church and in our lives. I pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey, listening family, it is so good to be on the radio sharing the Word of God and spending this time with you as we go through the power of the Bible and the power of the gospel. Hey, if you've been benefiting from these programs, we would appreciate you partnering with us through prayer. You can send an encouraging note through the website, and you can also donate to the cause. Partner with us in this work of ministry. If you're benefiting from it and you'd like to see others benefit from it, go to walkintruth.com and click on the donate button. And there you can give $25, 50 $100, is on your heart, and it'll help us reach more people like you. Thanks for praying for us. Thanks for partnering with us in the greatest cause. And we'll catch you next time on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.